0: What's up church? Everybody good? It's pretty awesome watching that video. A lot of that video goes back a good ways. A lot of us were a lot younger in a good portion of that video. Um, But it's such an awesome uh, thing to look and see uh, some of those things that God has done um, and see uh, just be reminded, I guess, of the faithfulness of God has really been awesome. And so uh, today we're going to actually take a break from going through the book of Acts and uh, kind of wrapped up last week the series Scandalous Grace. And, and so we're, we're uh, going to take a break right now. We want to look um, as we get, we're able to see some of the things that God has done in the past. Today we're going to spend some time looking at where we're going, um, where the Lord is leading us. And I'm really excited about this because this has been a culmination of really a couple of years of things that God has been showing us and teaching us and just really revealing to us. And I'm really excited for us to become, be able to become really laser focused once again on what God has for us to do as a church. And this is not something that I'm going to do or a few people are going to do this is something if this is going to happen and we believe this is God's heart because it comes straight out of scripture then it's going to be something that God does through us Um, not one person two people a few people but all of us and so this is something that is really important for us to grab hold of and us to begin to run with and we just sang a song um called House of Miracles and and I believe that. I believe that God is a God who still does miracles and we have seen that over the last 12 years and I believe we're going to continue to see that as God continues to work through his people. And so um, if you have your Bible or you wanna follow along on your phone, whatever uh, your reading device is today, go to Genesis chapter one. I wanna read a couple of scriptures or verses here then we're going to jump over into Acts 1, um, read a verse there. I want to pray and then we're going to get going here. So Genesis 1:26 says God is creating everything, I want you to notice that these are the first words that God um, really begins to speak to man. It says in verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, let's jump to Acts 1.8. Flip over to the New Testament. Go through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll come to Acts. Listen to what Jesus tells them as he is about to be taken into heaven. He's about to ascend into heaven after his work on earth and his body and even resurrected body is done. Acts 1-8, he tells his disciples this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and its truth. Thank you, God, that you've given us this book, the Bible inspired that tells us a story of your redemption from the very beginning to the end lord one story about one god who does incredible things for the people he loves lord god that you invite us into this story you you invite us in to be a part of this redemption story that still continues today lord miracles that still happen today, people who go from death to life, from separated from you to reconciled with you, Lord, through the name of Jesus, through faith in him. We thank you that that still happens today. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be stirred today for your purpose, that our hearts would be stirred today for for your story, for your mission, for what you called us to, and that, God, we would realize that we have a part to play in this. God, we thank you for it, that we get to be a part of your work, and we love you, God. Help this be clear to us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I would bet, I don't have a statistic for this, but I don't know what how good statistics are anyway most of the time, but I would bet one of the questions, most frequently asked questions of children, like when people are talking to kids, one of the most frequently asked questions I would bet is what do you want to be when you grow up, right? Wouldn't you imagine that? What do you want to be when you grow up? How many of you can remember when you were little Answering that question and can remember what you said you wanted to be when you grew up. You remember, any of y'all still remember answering that question and thinking about what you wanted? To be? I wanted to be a baseball player. That didn't work out. Um, for many of you, the things that you said I want to be like, that's not what you. Are today. It makes me think back to the movie Mr. Deeds. Anybody seen Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler? And he gets to the end and he's like, What did you want to be when you grew up? And the one guy, he's like, I wanted to be a veterinarian. He's like, well, what do you do today, sir? He's like, I want a, a chain of slaughterhouses. He's like, Well, you kind of went the other direction there, right? And so some of us have done that, um, but we can think back to that. And that's a common question for children. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, for me, I was still answering that question when I was 33 years old. I was 33 years old, and this is why we had gone through, I'd I'd gone into full-time ministry, vocational ministry, um, as a youth pastor, had gone to another church for a while, went through pretty bad church experience, and most of us have one, Um, and when I came out of that, I didn't even know if I wanted to be in ministry. I'm like, I I just kind of want to just go back and do roofing. And like, you know, the the roof doesn't cause like, doesn't talk back and doesn't have any problem. You know, like you just put the roof down and you're done. And so I didn't really know if I wanted to be in, in, in ministry, pastoring, doing this or not. And so Susan, my wife, she told me, she's like, you need to go get by yourself and you need to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. Like, yes, ma'am. So I went, and I went away to the big city of Garfield, Georgia. Anybody know where Garfield is? You had to accidentally find it to find it, right? And and so I go there, and I spent a couple of days in a cabin. Later I found out that the name of this cabin, they called it God's house. That's pretty fitting. And so I'm there, and I'm praying. Literally, y'all, I'm 33 years old. My 33rd birthday, I'm probably two, three miles from the closest human being, sitting there on this porch with no job, no ministry. I got a wife and two kids at the time, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I'm sitting there on that porch, and I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I don't know if I want to be in ministry. I don't know what I want to do. And I began to pray and and just reading scripture. And and it was almost like in in this one moment, I could see inside my own um, heart, like my own spirit. And there was just this little flame that was still there. And I began to realize that that was this call to preach the gospel. And, And I couldn't deny that. And that was the greatest confirmation of my calling, my personal calling that I've ever had, is that I know that beyond anything else, that I'm called to preach this word. I'm called to tell people about the good news of Jesus, to proclaim this. But as I continued to pray, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me about planting a church. And not just planting a church, but planting a church in Statesboro. I'm like, God, I don't need to plant a church in Statesboro. The people in Statesboro, they know me. They know me, like they know who I was before I got saved. They've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sitting there praying through this, and by that time my phone rings and I decided, I think I may have even still had the old flip phone back then. Some of y'all still have that. You're due for an upgrade. Um, Pretty sure Verizon will give you one at this point. Just go get like the iPhone 5, right? Um, But Anyway... So I'm praying, phone rings, um, I pick it up, and I wasn't going to answer, but I realized it was a buddy of mine, still goes to church here, Chip Smith, and, and he's calling, so I'm like, hey, ma'am, he goes, what are you doing? I was like, dude, believe it or not, I'm sitting on the porch of this cabin, you know, a long way from anybody, and I'm praying, and I feel like the Lord's speaking to me about starting a church in Statesboro, Georgia, and I know that sounds crazy, and he goes, I've been waiting on you. I'm like, wow, okay. So we began to pray. I went home. I told Susan, I'm like, hey, don't think I'm crazier than you already do. But this is what I feel like the Lord may be speaking to me. And so we began to pray, pray for about a month. And one morning, brushing our teeth. This is not a glamorous thing, like heaven's open and sky parts and all this. We're brushing our teeth and I'm, I can get a little impatient. People that know me understand this. And I'm finally, I'm like, are we going to do this or not? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay. So we finished brushing our teeth. I go and tell a few people we're going to do this. And we... uh, Finally get to this point where we start and and so we invited some people and I want you to see a couple of pictures here so you can kind of understand where we're coming from. I want to give you a little history because many of you have never heard this stuff. Some of you are like, I've heard it a hundred times, but many of you have never heard this. And I want you to see a couple of pictures because this is where we started this church. This was my house. We don't live here any longer but this was my house and we met the first two times we ever met in this house out in the great community of Middle Ground, Georgia. And we met out there and we had a, about uh, 11 people the first time and then I think the next time we had 12 or 10, and 11, something like that. Either way, we had grown by 10% from week to week. And so we were pretty pumped. We we're like, hey, we're already growing, went up one person. And so we get together and we're just sitting around and we joke now because I was just like, they were like, what are we going to do? We're like, we're going to eat chili and just kind of talk about what God's put on our heart. And so we did that a couple of weeks. I told Susan, I'm like, I don't feel very good at this. And she's like, you're not, just start preaching. Like, okay. And so we go to, she's really a sweet lady. Don't get the wrong impression. But We go to start meeting at the next place, which was a pond house. This is out again, kind of in the middle of nowhere, out in Cleto. Um, We're fond of small communities. But the Pond House, this is where we began to meet. And we met there from December 1st of 08 to January 26th of 2009. And these were some of the most powerful services we ever had, but we didn't have anything. So I borrowed a screen and a projector that we could put lyrics to songs in. And our worship team was my MacBook computer and iTunes playlist. And so I would literally sit there with like the first meeting, seven people. I'm sitting there and I'm just running the computer for worship, but God moved in incredible ways. Those were some of the most powerful services that we've ever had and God was just moving and I think he felt sorry for us. He's like, if they're crazy enough to do this, then I might as well show up. And so we did, we started meeting and we began to do that and then we moved from there to this building this place we called the Blue Building, and not a great picture, looks kinda dark, but that's pretty fitting for the Blue Building because it kinda was, and we joked about this. This building is actually a physical therapy place now. It's over behind Burger King if you ever wanna ride by. over behind Burger King. And when we would tell people to invite them to church, we're like, hey, it's in the little blue building behind Burger King. And we've always joked because it sounded more like we were setting up a drug deal than it did inviting them to church. It was like this little dark little place back in the back. And so we met there from February 1st, 2009 to 2011. Incredible things, y'all. Things that I could tell you that were so incredible in what God did in that place. The next place we went, was Statesboro High School. Statesboro High School, April 2011. And here's one of the greatest miracles that's ever happened in our church. We met at this high school for, we were one month shy of four years. One month shy of four years. We had to set up and tear down every week. When we went into this place, we were just hauling in and setting up for one service. We didn't think we would even make it. We're like, can we even get this place set up to do what we need to do for kids and Sunday morning? And we're hauling in everything speakers, everything, um, all the kids' stuff, everything. And for four years, we set up, we had started with one. We set up, we not only set up one, we ended up setting up two. So for two services. That meant we got there at 5.30, 5.00, 5.30 in the morning, we left about 30. One of the greatest testaments of God's faithfulness was the faithfulness we saw in so many people who were willing to show up week after week at 5.30 in the morning and stay till 1.30. God did incredible things. I could tell you story after story after story. I'd love to be able to do that, just tell you all that God has done. I remember when we started this thing out and, Um, I struggled with it because it was in Statesboro. Like I said, people had seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. They knew me. I couldn't just ride in on a white horse somewhere where nobody knew me and be like, oh, I've come to save you. And so I wrestled with that, and it got bad. We started the church, and I'm still wrestling with this. And I'm like, God, I I know that Jesus even said, like, a a prophet's without honor in his hometown. This isn't going to work. And one night I'm laying in bed and I'm just laying there with the lights out. It's pitch black dark. And I'm just laying there. And I'm like, God, you got to help me. I mean, almost to the point of breaking out in a sweat. And I'm laying there and I'm like, God, you got to help me, help me, help me. And in my mind, and this sounds crazy, I know, but in my mind and just in the darkness, I saw John 444. I'm like, maybe that's my answer. So I flipped on the lamp and I went to John 444 and I'm like, certainly God is gonna help me with this. And if you go read John four forty four, it says, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. I'm like, told you. <laughs> We're done. Call it off. I'm like, God, help. By this time I am sweating. I'm like, I've messed up bad. And God spoke to me as clearly as he's ever spoken to me. And he said, Brandon, If you're in it for the honor, you're in the wrong place. But if you'll let me have the honor, then you'll be fine. And since then, and even from the beginning, but this just made it even more clear, it's been all about Jesus. It's about His honor, it's about His glory. And I know some people, we got a new sign on the wall, and I know some people are gonna be like, well, I knew it wasn't all about Jesus to start with. No, it's so much about Jesus that we're not gonna quit telling people about Jesus until every single person knows who he is. I look back and I see this, this is crazy stuff like, um, one Sunday, I, I was, uh, we were thinking like, if we could ever break 100 people, man, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? One Sunday out of nowhere, when we first started, like a couple of months in, like 150 people showed up. I was like, we made it! The next week, we had 45. I kid you not. I'm like, did I cuss? <laughs> what, what happened? And, and then we started, though, steadily growing. We got to a point where we were outgrowing the blue building there that you saw, and so we moved to the high school. We moved into the high school with the average attendance probably between 250 and 300. That's great. And it's not all about the numbers. The number that matters is one. It's the next person that Jesus is reaching and bringing to himself. But I tell you this to say this, we moved into an auditorium that set over a thousand people. And we're moving in there and we're like, we're having two, feet. it's gonna be like, you know, it's gonna be like crickets. God filled that place up, not once, but twice. And see, God, when we give him room, God does incredible things. And we've seen this over and over and over. And I remember when we first got in the blue building and I was sitting around a circle with a group of people who are still here to this day, for the most part. We had to sacrifice a couple. But anyway... There were we're sitting in this circle in the blue building. And I still remember us sitting there and talking about what might this look like? What could God do? Like how many people would God reach through this work and through what he's called us to? And we had numbers from 500 to 30,000. I'm like, hold on there, big guy. And we kind of started talking. And so we settled in on this vision that, we would see Jesus reach 2,000 people by the year 2020. The crazy thing was that happened by like 2015. Now we've planted five churches, other connection churches, been a part of that. It's crazy to see what God has done. And and I don't say these things to brag because listen, I have done enough to screw this up so many times. I was back there just worshiping through that last song and I'm like, you know what? God did what he's done and will do what he does in the future, not because of us, but despite us, right? Because we can screw it up bad, but he's so good. And here's the thing, guys, we realize this, that all that God's done in the past has been so incredible. I just don't believe God's finished. God's finished. I just know there are more people in this community and beyond that he's going to do a miracle in their life like he's done in mine and in many of yours. And so we're going to continue to move forward. I don't believe God's finished. We don't believe God's finished. And God has sparked in a lot of ways a new flame in my heart and in the hearts of a lot of our leaders for what he's called us to do. And I want us now just kind of transition into that. About two years ago, began began asking God, Lord, I felt this transition happening and this is shifting. And I'm like, God, what do you want our vision to be? What do you want our vision to be? Because everybody tells you, you got to have a vision. You got to know when you've won. You got to know da, 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 da. And I agree with that. The Bible even shows us that, that Vision is important. I'm like, God, what do you want the vision to be? I've been praying about this for a while. And I can tell you where I was when God finally kind of spoke to me and, and really opened my eyes to what it should be. I was walking down the hallway where all our offices are. I'm about to walk into my office and the Lord just put this in my heart. He said, why don't you let my vision be your vision? I'm like, that works. What is that, God? And I went and I sat down at my desk and on a sheet of paper, I wrote, what is our primary purpose? Not just me, but us. What is our primary purpose? And God took me back to the scripture that we read very first today. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. If we're going to find our primary, we might as well start at the beginning, right? And what I started seeing was that God, um, again, is reinforcing this fact that he's got this global purpose. That his people were to take this chaotic world that had existed. And God begins to speak and create and bring order and bring life. And he's like, I want you to take all of that. And I made you in my image and I want you to fill the earth with it, fill the earth with it, rule over it and do it in a way that glorifies me. And this was his purpose. And these were the first words he really speaks his commission. As we see in the Bible, he speaks his commission to the first human being that says, this is what you exist for. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, that's good. I get that, I see that. And then I felt led to go to Acts 1-8 and I'm like, all right, let's look at Acts 1-8. Let's see what it says. And I realized these are the last words of Jesus on earth. And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We can also go to the Great Commission where he tells us he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, you know, lead, leading them to me and equipping them and then letting them do the same thing. And I'm to realize, again, this book tells one story. And what I see is telling us is that God's vision for his people has always been to fill the earth with his glory so that the earth is renewed, that the earth is redeemed. And listen, Jesus, all authority has been given to him, and guess what? He's now given us that authority so we have the ability now through the work of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit to do the very thing that mankind was originally created to do in the beginning. And we look at them and we're like, that ain't going to happen. Just look at our country. Listen, it's not going to happen if we don't believe it. It's not going to happen if we think the preacher's going to do it. But this is what I can tell you. You let a bunch of people get fired up about Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit and anything is possible. this is the story throughout scripture from the beginning to the end. And we finally get to the end of Revelation and everything is restored back to what it was intended to be in the beginning. And, and it's incredible to see one of the passages of scripture that has been so powerful for me is Habakkuk 2.14. And in that passage, um, God is speaking through Habakkuk and he says this, this is not a might, a maybe, a could be. God says this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of my glory as the waters cover the sea. Not maybe, not could be. God says, I'm telling you this. I'm promising it on my name, on my character, on my power, on my sovereignty that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And what that tells me, guys, what that tells me is that we're not finished until every single person knows because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord until every person knows we're not done. I was sharing this with John Irvin a while back and I'm like, dude, I think this is it, man. Until every person knows, we're not going to stop. Until every person knows, we're going to keep going. And he, he looked at me, he goes, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I now mean, he's kidding, of course, but, but he's like, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm like, it is. But that's why we exist, is that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so I want you to see this, that the vision for this church is that. Until every person knows. This is the why behind everything we will do. Because until every person knows, we're not done. Until every person knows, we're not finished. Until every person knows. And listen, it's not saying every person is going to accept Christ. There are some who will reject him. There are some who will reject us. They will reject you. But they're gonna know. They're gonna know who he is. Because we're going to tell them, we're going to tell them. And so we're not done until every person knows who he is, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And I believe this, we believe this, that scripture teaches three things that happen in this process. One of these things, and we see this as the story um, all the way through scripture and what Jesus did. One of these is that mankind has to be reconciled to God. Now, when something has to be reconciled, a relationship has to be reconciled, what that means is that something's broken that relationship. And for us, what broke that relationship is sin, is sin. And a lot of times we don't like to talk about sin. But listen, We're missing it if we don't talk about sin. Now, sin's not the whole picture because the good news of Jesus is that God made a way for our sin to be overcome, our sin to be forgiven, no matter how atrocious it is, that when we repent and come to faith in Jesus, we are reconciled to Christ, not in our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus. But one of the things that has to happen, folks, is that we have to be reconciled to God. This relationship has been broken, but through Christ, We go from enemies of God to sons and daughters of God. So there has to be this reconciliation. We also realize this, that the Bible teaches this, that we have to be equipped to do God's work in the world. Our minds have to be renewed. Um, our gifts are redeemed. A lot of things maybe that we are gifted with, even natural talents that we've been given are redeemed and are used for the kingdom. We have to be equipped. The other thing is, if this is going to happen, if every person is going to know, is that we then are sent so, there's this process of reconciliation, this process of building people um, in their giftings and in the things that they're called to, seeing them mended and restored, seeing them have a solid biblical foundation, and seeing them trained to do the ministry God has called them to and placed in their hearts, um, and then to send them out. And so, our mission, then, our vision until every person knows this is the why behind what we do, but our mission is this to connect, equip, and send God's people. To connect, equip, and send God's people. To connect, to see people reconciled through the message of Jesus, through faith in Christ. To equip them, to see them mended and restored, made whole. To see them come to a place where the truth begins to transform their minds, their minds are renewed. And then to send them out with the gospel of Christ, with their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of Jesus, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, and they're sent out to proclaim the gospel until every single person knows. And so this is the what that accomplishes the why. Until every person knows, we will connect, equip, and send God's people. Listen, in order to do this, and you to see these things. And and these are things we'll unpack as the years go on. I mean, we've got till Jesus comes back, right? Which honestly, I'm going to be straight up honest. It's 10 o'clock. If he came back at 10.01, I'm good. Right? I I say that sometimes. Susan, she'll be like, do you think the world's about to end? I'm like, God, I hope so. (laughs) She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah. Let Jesus come back, come back now. Like Hosanna in the highest, like save us. She's like, but what about the people that don't know? I'm like, we tried to tell them. (laughs) And so here's, here's the thing. In order to connect, equip and send, we are going to be a church that one, will always demonstrate and declare the gospel will always demonstrate and declare the gospel. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, if not just, just somewhere within your Bible, something. Go read Acts two forty two through 47. This is what's happening in that verse. In that passage of Scripture, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, what we see happening is there is this incredible declaration and demonstration of the gospel. And when you get to verse 47, this is what it says. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We will be a people, a community that, that, that will demonstrate and declare the gospel Continually. We'll also be a people who equip and encourage people. We're gonna be a people who do this. If you go read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I just want to read a part of this. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. This is one of the things we're going to be about. We have more opportunities right now, and you're going to be hearing more about these right now to be equipped, to be encouraged, to do what God's called you to do than we've ever had. Things like close the gap, which you'll hear more about. Things like... um. Uh, uh, the welcome class. You're going to hear more about heart and soul. You're going to hear more about connect groups, which a lot of you've heard a lot about. You're going to hear about these things in the future, but being equipped and encouraged to carry this forward. The next thing we're going to do is set apart and send out. We're going to set people apart and send them out. We've seen this happen, but it's going to happen more frequently. I believe this, that God is going to put it on people's hearts to, to go, it may not be going to North Africa, but some of you will. Ah! And probably the person in here is going, I ain't going to North Africa, you're going, right? It's always the person like, I will not go to North Africa. I ain't lost nothing in North Africa. Right? But some people will. Some people will. Acts 13, verse one through three, it's the account of where they're praying and worshiping and fasting. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the church in Antioch, his town there in and, and, and this church. And he says, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work that I've called them to. And they lay their hands, they pray, and they send them out. People, that is part of what the church is here to do. So we will demonstrate, declare, equip and encourage, set apart and send out people. And we're going to do this through four things. Now, we've always been a church. We've always focused on four things. You start trying to do everything, you'll do a bunch of stuff, but you won't be any good at any of it. And the, the church has kind of adopted this Walmart mentality. like We're just going to have everything. And it doesn't work real well because you can't do everything. And So we're going to do four things. The first one is we're going to have worship gatherings. Things like Sunday morning, our prayer times. We gather as a church and we worship together. Second thing is we're going to have equipping opportunities. Some of those things I mentioned to you, this is important, guys. Connect groups, um, even triads, these groups of three people. You're going to hear a lot about these things, but plenty of opportunities. Be praying, God, show me how you want me to To be equipped. Third thing we're going to do. Kids and students. Kids, first through fifth. Youth. Six through 12. College. And we had uh, over 150 college students come together this week just to worship on Wednesday night. It's awesome. Yeah, you can clap. But what's crazy about this, guys, is you know how many are over there? You know what that is? It's like taking a little eyedropper and squeezing it. And one little drop going into an ocean of water. It's just a beginning. But kids and students, and let me say this, let me say this, let me say this. I'm gonna put on my coaching hat now, okay? So I'm gonna put on my coaching hat. I'm gonna kind of challenge you, push you, encourage you a little bit. Last week, we turned away three families at nine o'clock. Three families. They didn't come into the service with their children. Tr- I think they left because we couldn't get them in kids. Three families hearing the message, worshiping God with his believers because we didn't have room. We can't open up kids at 11, not because we don't want to, because we don't have the volunteers. I'm not trying to guilt you, but what I am saying is we need help if you're a part of this church, then help. You don't have to have kids to help. You don't have to be a female to help. Yeah. Well, a woman ought to be barefoot in the kitchen. <laughs> well, you're stupid. <laughs> Look, we need men. Men are awesome. The kids love to see men in there. They need to know men love Jesus too, right? So help, help, I need to pray about it. (laughs) Okay, now help, you had time, right? We need help and you can help, but I don't know about kids. Well, I didn't either, and I got three of them. It turned out all right. (laughs) So help, but kids and students, the fourth thing we're gonna do is we're gonna continue planting churches. We're gonna continue planning churches. And understand this now, we need to redefine our definition of a church. A church is not just this, right? A church is a gathering of people. So when we helped someone go to North Africa, they went with five other people. That's six believers in North Africa where there was no church. Guess what? There's a church in North Africa now. Because there are believers gathered together. You know what a church may be? It may be 12 of y'all going across town to a a community of people that need Jesus and beginning to minister to them. It doesn't mean you've got to have a website branding and all that stuff. It means there's a group of people and when you're a group of people, you are the church. It may mean the four of y'all who are saying, I'm not going to North Africa. Y'all don't even know each other, but you're going to meet and you're going to go to North Africa. Guess what? You're the church church planting. I do believe we'll continue to plant just like we planted Vidalia, Dublin, Millen, Savannah, and Athens. I believe there'll be more of that. There'll be a lot more of that. I believe that. But that's not the only type of church planting that we're going to be about. And so those four things, worship gatherings, equipping opportunities, kids and students, church planting, those things. Of what we're going to be about. And listen, I know this is a lot of information, guys. Go back and just put this on. And when you go to bed at night, pop in some earbuds and, and just listen each night because I am the cure for insomnia. And it will put you to sleep really fast. I had somebody tell me that one time. They are like, you know what, man? I've been having a hard time sleeping. I started listening to your messages as I went to sleep. Bam, I'm asleep. Thank you. We're gonna be guided by four cultures, four attitudes, four things that are important and we see in scripture. The first culture that's important is we're gonna be a serving people. This is what Jesus did. He didn't come to be the greatest, he came to be the greatest servant. And we're gonna serve, we're gonna serve. This is our heart, not just here, but yes here, but in the community, wherever we are, our heart is to serve people. How about in our home? Serving each other. Second one is we're gonna be a unique community. Community. This is important culture. We can't do life alone. We're not called to walk this out alone. We're called to do this with each other. We're gonna be a unique community. Notice I said unique because that's what the church is. It is a new, unique community community of people who have been transformed by the power of Jesus a unique community we're going to be a generous people right it was all good till then preacher I knew you it's all about getting my money (laughs) no we're just going to live generously we're going to live generously here yes If you believe the vision and the mission of what God's doing here, then help. We're gonna be generous there. Buy somebody's meal. Do something kind, generously for somebody. You know where we see this the most clearly in the Bible? That God gave. Was God generous? 100%. So if we're becoming like Jesus who gave his life, We're gonna live generously too. The last one is we're gonna be an evangelistic people. Now, that's a church word. We're gonna share the gospel. We are going to share the gospel. We're going to be a people who demonstrate and declare the good news of Jesus. Now, listen to this. This is kind of putting that in a little nutshell. So we are going to be a unique Community of generous, serving, gospel sharing people. And we will do this until every person knows. That's a lot of work, yeah. preacher. I know. But it's going to be awesome. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be incredible. So we're going to connect, equip, and send God's people until everybody knows. We're going to demonstrate and declare the gospel. We're going to equip and encourage people in their giftings. We're going to set apart and send people out until every person knows. We'll do it through worship gatherings, equipping opportunities, kids and students, church planting, until every person knows. And listen, the way this happens is by us leaning into God. And our own strength It's not gonna happen. But through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And we know that this is God's purpose. You know, we, we talk about until every person knows being the why. But why's the why, what, like what's the why behind why I want every person to know? I want to go to one last passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And in this, Paul is dealing, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, and he's dealing with an issue of division. And the, the Corinthians are enamored with wisdom, and they're enamored with certain gifts of the spirit. And Paul's trying to correct this in this letter. And he tells them in verse 17, he's been talking about baptisms because some of them are actually saying like, that they belong to the person that baptized them. And Paul's like, I'm thankful I didn't baptize hardly any of you because you can't say that about me. And he says this in verse 17, he says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message, listen to verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you go over into verse six, verses nine through 11, Paul lists out a bunch of sins, sexual immorality, drunkenness, all these different things, and he goes, but, That is what some of you were. He says, but you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. He's saying that's what you were, but that's not what you are. And let me tell you this, that's the why behind it all. The love of Christ compels us to go and to go and to go until every single person knows. Why? Because the cross of Christ may be foolishness to the world, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we're going to demonstrate and declare it, equip people to go and spread it and send them out to go do so. Until every single person knows this is what we're going to do. This is who we are called to be. We are called to be a unique community of generous serving Gospel sharing people that will not quit, stop, or give up until every single person knows, until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. One of the things that's pretty cool about these shirts, and how many of y'all would like a shirt? We all get you get one when you leave. <laughs> Yay! Some of y'all watching online would have come if you knew you were getting a (laughs) t-shirt. (laughs) Got to be present to win. Sorry. Love you. I don't know if I'm looking at the right camera. But one of the cool things, and Lindsay Callahan, who is awesome, designed these shirts. And one of the cool things about it is the little squiggly lines in the letters. And... Obviously, it says until every person knows. But what's cool about it is inside these lines, it's not like to look like a zebra, okay? It's a fingerprint. It's a fingerprint that's inside the letters. And what's so cool about this is we think about this being such a huge thing, like until every person knows, how's every person gonna know? You know how they're gonna know? One person at a time. One person at a time. And I'm not gonna preach you some message about you're all like fingerprints. You're all unique. You're all a snowflake. There's nobody like you. What I'm telling you is, every single person matters to God. And that fingerprint reminds us of that. How is everybody gonna know the one person today? Maybe your waiter, your waitress, be nice, be generous. Maybe the person at work that you think would never know Jesus, you never know. And we're gonna do this until every single person knows. Amen. I'm going to pray. Jordan's going to come out. We're going to give you some details. There's some cards. That's not trash left from last week. Those are things for you this morning. Give you some details about some next steps, some things we can do next steps wise, um, leaving out of here. But I want to pray for us. And then he's going to come out and share some of those things. But I'm fired up, y'all. And I don't say that. I, listen, I'm not one that's going to get up here. And like when the lights come on, I'm like, woohoo. Right. But I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this, and I believe we're going to see some incredible things that God does. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I know my heart is stirred for the things you've put before us, God. God, I pray that our hearts would be stirred together. God, we can't do this on our own, but God, you can do this through us. And so we're excited, Lord, to be a part of your work, that we get to come alongside the work you're doing and be a part of that. And it's not just on connection. Sure, we realize that. We're just a part of the body. But God, we wanna be faithful to do the work you've put before us. Those works that Ephesians 2.10 says you've already created for us to do. God, we wanna do that. That we'd be faithful. That we wouldn't get to the end of this journey and say, what if? What if I demonstrated and declared, equipped and encouraged and set apart and sent? What if? God, we don't wanna have a What if? of regret because we didn't step in faith. We love you, Lord. I thank you for each person here that they do have a fingerprint, God, and you know that and you love them. And we worship you today because of that, God, because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.